You're listening to the Skylight Books Podcast. We're an independent, general interest bookstore putting great reads in the hands of people in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles. Hosted by resident Skylighters, we're here to bring you new and exciting author conversations, group reads, and bookseller chats. Happy listening. Hello, my beautiful listeners, and welcome to Skylight. This is the Skylight Books Podcast, and I'm your host, Lance Morgan. Today, I'm so excited to welcome Andrew Sean Greer to read from his new book, Less is Lost, followed by a conversation with the both of us. Andrew Sean Greer is a Pulitzer Prize winning author of six works of fiction, including bestsellers, The Confession of Max Tivoli and Less. Greer has taught at a number of universities, including the Iowa Writers Workshop, been a Today Show pick, a New York Public Library Coleman Center Fellow, a judge for the National Book Award, and a winner of the California Book Award and the New York Public Library Young Lions Award. He is the recipient of the NEA grant, a Guggenheim Fellowship, and the 2018 Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. He lives in San Francisco. Andy, thank you for coming on the podcast. Lance, it's great to be here. No, I'm super excited to have you on for a wonderful follow-up to a wonderful book. Um, In talking about that book, you have a reading for us today? Sure, I do. I, I, this will be my first reading from this, from this book. So Why let's not? see how it goes. Oh, so honored. <laughs> it's, I, I hate it when authors set, have to set up anything at all. So I'm not setting it up. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a, it's a, but like a natural setup. Yeah. But when they were like, okay, you have to know she was divorced and then it was another country. Like then you're like, what are we doing? <laughs> Uh, this is in part in chapter two, he's heading to the Southwest. That's all you have to know. Les flies from San Francisco to Palm Springs, a city located in the lower left-hand coin pocket of America. Les places his bag with special electric razor, books, and favorite pink sweater in the overhead compartment and seats himself beside the window. He looks out at the wing. In his panicked state, he wonders whether man can really fly. And then the attendant wearily offers some peanuts. Les giggles at the very notion. Peanuts at 30,000 feet. To Arthur Les, anything at high altitude feels miraculous. He simply cannot believe it's happening. Perhaps it correlates in his system with quasi-forbidden boyhood delights, such as flashlight reading under the covers and smuggling chocolate into a treehouse. An offer of wine and Les shivers at the impossibility. How did they get wine up here? To him, it is the, as delicious as a cup of lemonade bought from a five-year-old stand, which is to say, always delicious. The same goes for the food. When he unwraps the foil to expose microwave chicken or curdled lasagna, you would think he'd found a golden ticket to a chocolate factory. His joy seems endless. But an end everything has. Not long after takeoff, other passengers become alarmed about a persistent buzzing. Les joins in the speculation as a piece of the plane loose. Something wrong with the pressurization? Soon the attendants are involved. A captain is summoned. He attunes himself to the sound and vanishes. Passengers, we are cleared for an emergency descent into Palm Springs ahead of other aircraft. The plane needs, mi- plane, the plane needs minor repairs, but it will not affect this short flight. And they begin their emergency descent. Les is terrified. What minor repairs? What crucial device has come fatally and noisily undone? It does not take long, of course, for him to realize the source of the threat. It is his special electric razor. It has somehow turned on by itself in the overhead storage. He says nothing. The special electric razor, a skilled ventriloquist, throws its noise everywhere in the cabin, 
so he remains unincriminated. Les's plan is to wait for landing, dash for the razor, and diffuse it before anyone gets wise. All goes well at first. His glass of water's collected his minor trash and they have arrived in Palm Springs. A bell of freedom goes off and Les leaps to unzip his bag, only to be confettied with pink fluff. All through the flight, the razor has not merely been alarming the crew. It has decided to devour a companion, his sweater. Such is love. Oh. Is that good? Do you need more? <laughs> no, that was perfect. That was perfect. Um, I don't know, just hearing, you know, just hearing the words, you did a great job of reading. I felt like that's the voice I have when I read the book, too. It's oh, very, good. Um, yeah, no, it's very, I it, was like, wow, is the Arthur Les is coming out um, when I hear it. Um, how are you doing today, Andy? Ah, uh, I'm doing, I'm doing good. It's That's a little good. chilly up here in San Francisco. So I, I, uh, <laughs> it's a little wish chilly I were there. No, it's actually okay. a little, it's, it's not, it's LA chilly <laughs> right now. Oh, which well. is, you know, I, I mean, yeah, I'm, I am weak now. I'm from the Northeast. So now I'm disappointed in myself for saying that <laughs> where I used to, the Northeast where it was like negative two, I'm like, Oh, it's beach weather. <laughs> let's go outside. Let's, Let's go to the coast. Let's go for a dip. Um, no, uh, but yeah, I'm glad you're doing well. Um, to start up our conversation, I want to. Uh, what's your? How did your journey as a writer start? I mean, I would say it started when I was a kid. I I loved reading so much, and I wanted to be part of it, and so I would write. You know, maybe when I was 10, 11, 12, I'd start to write short stories. I don't know what, I can't even imagine what they were. Um, and I would write like plays and things. Mm -hmm. And I ended up, I wrote a novel when I was 16. That was absolutely terrible. Like a gothic ghost story, mm -hmm. Wuthering Heights style novel. I sent it to publishers. <laughs> you know, I did the whole thing. But I was hooked. Like actually once... I look back and I'm sort of impressed. I would write two pages a night after I did my homework. And that is kind of like the same, a good habit. Like yeah. the fact that I was able to do it meant that I could do it again, which I did many times before I actually wrote something decent. And I mean, that's, wow, at such a young age, it must have, you know, been, I mean, perfect to like build that habit of like writing two pages a night, which I know people who are, adult writers who have trouble doing that um it it's it's impressive well i think it's one of those teenage obsessions and like mm. that you keep private whatever it is i mean it mm. could be something terrible on the internet but mine was something terrible on a on a typewriter <laughs> yeah were you telling people that you were you know writing this writing like this um when you were that age nope no i didn't oh. tell anyone yeah. when did you when did you first start telling people that you were, you know, writing this way or considering being a writer? I, I mean, I think at the end of high school, I must have been mm -hmm. 17 when I, you know, sent stories to the, to the, you know, high school magazine or whatever it was. And in fact, I sent a story that was super gay and I don't think I realized it was. And the teacher who was in charge of the magazine didn't publish it. He was a gay man mm -hmm. himself. Because mm -hmm. he was afraid for me that I didn't oh, wow. know 
what I was doing, which was true. <laughs> so, did, you, did that teacher ever get to like read your more current work? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he's no longer with us, but we we talked a lot after that. He was incredibly supportive because I came after college. I came back to my high school and gave lunchtime talks about being queer because mm -hmm. wow. they hadn't done that for us. They hadn't talked about it, and I was like, right. "These students need to know something." Yeah, and he was. He was at that point. He talked with me about the whole thing. Oh, that's nice. That's nice to you know have that full circle moment where. Because I feel like, you know, was, what did he teach, if you don't want me asking? English. Yeah, I was going to say, he was, was he an English teacher? Because, you know, English there's, teacher. there's some experiences that are just universal. It's always that English teacher who, you know, is always in your corner first. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's always that English teacher. Or like an um, art teacher. You yeah. Know? <laughs> I had a combination English and art teacher who, they were my, you know, queer queer um shepherds um but no that's great i'm glad that they got to have that full circle moment with you um uh, what so when was you know your first you started to like you know feel more confident i mean you sent it to the publisher so what that's more confident than uh again adults i know today but um when did you start you know hitting your stride as a writer and being like this is you know, this is working. This is something that like, you know, I'm going to have my first book out. This is, I see a future for myself here. I mean, I think it was less confidence than just foolhardiness. I just didn't know how it was really supposed to go. Mm -hmm. And I just, and you know, adults are always telling, you, you know, do what you love, don't give up. And if you don't realize until later that like, they're, they're not serious. Like they didn't yeah. do that. <laughs> like yeah. no one does that. But I, I stuck with it. Like I just was convinced I was a writer in college. And after college, I moved to New York and tried to sell a novel, also a terrible novel. Of course I didn't sell it, you know, but I just, uh, I didn't get up. And I think one thing that helped is that I'm totally incompetent at everything else. Like New York city did not embrace me as a, uh, uh bartender or, or chauffeur or any of the television extra none of the things i did were going to be a career for me uh what a one i feel like foolhardy and confidence uh, there's something hand in hand there i'm just gonna say yeah i, I believe <laughs> i believe like if you ever like see a 16 year old if you i feel like you meet a 16 year old and you're like there's something it's it's a mixture of stupid and pure confidence and i wish i had like i'm so jealous <laughs> of that, and i'm just like god i wish i had that but also like you know, it's 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 interesting you say that because I've heard other writers talk about like they think they're like and there's no there was nothing else for me to do. And you know, I I also feel that sometimes where I'm like, well, what else? I have no other skills. <laughs> I have truly have I truly have no other skills. If it's not this, it's nothing. But like I I I is there is a skill of like I think in writing authors. They're, I mean, they're observers, of course, um, but like they also understand skills in a way that people don't because they have to like put it in their work. They have to, you know, we don't just write about writers. Uh, it, it's, it's, there's more, there's other people, there's a full world of people out there. So I, I reject your statement of saying that. <laughs> well, I always recommend to people to get jobs that aren't writing, you know, yeah. when they're first starting out because they need to have something to write about. 
So if I have a student who's like, I don't know, I have this internship in Singapore, I'm like, totally do that. Yeah. Do not do an internship in New York at a publisher. Go to Singapore. Go to Singapore. Like, so cool. Like, what? Why would you go? Right. Um, (laughs) No, it's it's. I also as told uh, students of mine the same thing, and they some of them don't believe me. They're like, but I have to like get my writing skills down. I'm like, you have time. (laughs) Like, you have nothing. You're what eighteen? You have nothing of time. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah. Um, who were some of your influences when you were, you know, 16 and sending your books out, your, your book out to publishers, which is, I'm just going to keep repeating that. Cause that just, that concept is crazy to me. It's so, Isn't that crazy? Concept is crazy to <laughs> I me. thought that's what a writer was. <laughs> I, interesting to think about when I was around 16, I mean, I was reading, um, weird books. Like I would either, I was, I loved all the things we read in English class. I was an easy mm-hmm. sell on on Faulkner and mm-hmm. and Bronte and but then at home I would read like science fiction like mm-hmm. Asimov and Heinlein and these things from the 70s and 80s yeah. and or I would read things I didn't understand like Albert Camus which I would have said was my favorite author I think I didn't <laughs> know what I was talking about <laughs> that's that's it that's being again writer what was I thinking? <laughs> uh, but I was really just like a sponge. I I would take in anything. I loved it all. I loved, you know, and then in college, I loved, I loved reading Chaucer, which is so unlikely, but I thought it was cool. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's, I feel like those ages are when you're soaking up anything you can yeah. get your hands on. And then I worked in a bookstore. That was my first job. And that made uh-huh. a difference because then I sort of saw contemporary culture. Mm-hmm. And that changed everything. That was when Gabriel Garcia Marquez came out with Love in the Time of Cholera. And uh, that book blew me away. And then I read his, like A Hundred Years of Solitude. Mm-hmm. And I just thought there's this whole other world of non-English yeah. <laughs> literature that right. opened to me. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I mean, A Hundred Years of Solitude, Love in the Time of Cholera. What a book to like discover <laughs> at a young especially at a young age i've recommended that book to a bunch of like younger people who want to like learn more and want to expand their uh their own concept uh conceptions of literature and i i mean because i read that at i think i was 14 and i had a cousin who came to visit and was like you got to read this book and i was like everyone else was like read uh, i wasn't i didn't come from readers but like i was like i'll try it out and write it and i was like my mind is blown what is this what is this who is this author and i read like isabella Allende afterwards because i was yeah me too yeah, yeah right, right? <laughs> and like i was again i was like in imagine in band practice you see that kid reading isabella and you're like what and it that doesn't make that doesn't match we're supposed to be reading um i forgot what we we're supposed to be reading uh something no, we weren't reading Faulkner in high school. That's, I that's that was way above our our heads there. But we were reading like the Odyssey. Oh uh, well, that can be fun. <laughs> it depends. The problem, it depends with, the problem with the Odyssey is like the fun stuff is halfway through, and then in the middle he lands in Ithaca, and the rest of the book is him like walking around Ithaca. <laughs> it's I'd read. I'd cut that. It no, I. 
100% agree. I mean, isn't there better mythology other places? Ah, I'm not, you know what? I am not going to let the Homer freaks come after me. Um, what are yeah. the, the Homer heads? The, <laughs> I, like I, I had a friend recommend Gilgamesh. He was like, Gilgamesh. try Gilgamesh. I haven't tried it yet. That's a, that's a good one. Um, yeah, Gilgamesh. I mean, the other one I could think of was like Beowulf, and I'm like, I'm not reading Beowulf. That I did not like. Yeah, <laughs> not, not, not again. It, that's that's such a boy book. When I think about like boy, when I think about like boy books, that's what that comes to my head. There's something kind of Dungeons and Dragons about Beowulf that is uh, off-putting. <laughs> it's, it's. I think you nailed it because, like, I think if we if we investigated the history of Dungeons and Dragons Beowulf would pop up somewhere. Yeah. Um, <laughs> definitely. Um, can you, I mean, like, it probably has evolved from, you know, when you started out. What's your process with writing? You said you, when you started out, you're writing two pages a night. Are you still, you know, doing that? Are you still, like, writing that same way? Yeah, evolved? I mean, now it's three. That's three, <laughs> but oh, it's, wow. I have more time. And it's definitely rather than writing it late at night, and I just definitely did that when I first was writing in my 20s or even 30s. These days, it's more like get up at 6.30, make a cup of coffee, and don't look at the news <laughs> for two Sorry. hours. That's Oof. my rule. That's good. Was, has been really hard recently. Um, it's... especially here in California, you know, the news is already halfway through and you're like, what happened this yeah. morning? <laughs> I wake up, I'm a, I am a late sleeper. So I wake up and I'm like, oh God, what is it now? And I'm like seeing everyone talk about something. I'm like, what is it now? So good, good restraint on your, on your part because I don't it took, I mean, I'm not normally a 6.30 waker upper, but I think it was the <laughs> pandemic and age that has got me doing that. It's the only way to get sort of, to go, I'm still a little sleepy and dreamy and then mm -hmm. to go right into it without the answering emails or those things. Um, no, I mean, it's, yeah, no, that's, that's, that sounds like a really, healthy way to write a healthier well i mean i mean the unhealthy way is if i'm in a really hard section or an emotional section is the late at night with a bottle of wine <laughs> i still do it <laughs> it's it's still healthier than most i've heard i've heard some stories um you go you talk to like a room of writers and you just come out horrified um uh no that i mean one thing I did love in Less and in the second one too, where you talk about it, is like seeing there, because both Arthur Less and his former his former partner Robert. Yeah, that's the right way to say it. Um, his former partner Robert have you talk about their writing styles um and how they like their process as writers and how like one lessons did develop from Roberts did you did that derive from some certain place of your own process as a writer because there's it's very theirs is very intense in a way that I I read and I was like oh no I understand this I have to cover my face oh um, no <laughs> yeah just like, I mean for sure I thought definitely in less is lost I thought about my my poor boyfriend trapped in the pandemic and this mm -hmm apartment with me who had to deal with my moods as I was writing, which would alternate between 
utter depression, doubt and failure, and this absurd grandiosity, mm-hmm. <laughs> which of course it's neither one is true. It's somewhere in the middle, but I couldn't, right. you can't see it when you're doing it. No, I mean, it's, isn't that crazy that like, you're, you're just, you're, you're acting this way and then you're just like, no, I'm fine. Nothing's, nothing's happening. Like it's, I feel like in some ways a junkie where I'm like, no, I'm good. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. It's, it's, isn't that crazy though? Like what, what does my mind think I'm doing? I know. Well, it's just, it's, it, it's, and then, and then like not being able to sleep at night because of some stupid thing about the writing, which yeah. is not helping the writing at all. Like, Man, Mm-mm. thank it's... God for prescription drugs. <sighs> oh, saving my life. Um, <laughs> um, no, I just, I mean, like, it's, I I have been there where, like, people are, I'm, like, writing, I'm like, yeah, I'm so creative, I feel great. And then a year later, a friend will be like, you were the worst person to be around in that time. <laughs> 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 and I was like, really? I thought it was fine. And they were, like, miserable, like, making everyone around you miserable. And I was like, well, time for there. <laughs> I was like, let me write this down for my therapist. So she's going to be excited. Um, she's going to be like, there's 10 more sessions in my book. <laughs> um, no, I, I, I mean, just write, reading theirs. I feel like, you know, writers should definitely read um, specifically those parts in the book. I mean, read the book, but read those specific parts because like, yeah, there's a kind of mirror held up to writers of like, why do you act like this? Why? What's what's burning this on? What makes you, you know, what it's you're not I wouldn't say hurting the people around you, but like, you know, tormenting the people around you in a way to like do this. But it's for, I mean, even in the book too, like both Les and Freddie, I feel like they understand that it's genius in a way. It's like the genius of writing right do you agree like that it's kind of not excused but there's a well reason. i can't speak for myself but i'm friends with other writers and i've lived through their i don't live with them but some of them i mm-hmm. see every day and i see their struggles and so i recognize in it that like the absurdity of their doubts and and arrogance like because you want to just say it's all going to be fine. Right. You're just going to, it's going to take a lot out of you, but it will be fine. And also mm-hmm. don't worry. It's not the greatest book ever made. So just let that go. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's not going to be. And, and I mean, we all know that that book is definitely like, I was going to, I was trying to think of something funny. What's a funny book that we could call the funny, the best book of all time. Um, I got nothing. I'm I'm sorry, <laughs> listeners. I failed you. Um, uh, this is my last episode, I guess, because I failed. No, <laughs> you can't get rid of me yet. <laughs> um, no, I mean this. That's that's such a comforting thing. I bet to hear. Yeah, it's like it's not the it's 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 not. I feel like a writer's job to also write the best book of all time, right? Do you, it's it's. Just, you know, write your book, write your book. I, I think often the struggle I have is, this sounds so abstract, but struggling to realize what the book actually is mm-hmm. and what it should be instead of the thing I planned. 
at the beginning and to submit to what's happening, which mm -hmm. is, is hard because especially if you start off thinking, for instance, this book, I'm going to write a book all about America and it's not, <laughs> you know, it right. isn't. And in fact, I wrote chapters in Lesson is Lost that were set in the Northwest. They were set mm -hmm. in the Midwest. And I cut those chapters almost at the last minute because mm -hmm. I was like, this book is not, that's not what this is. This is a smaller, simpler book and you just have to accept it. It's better that way. It's so funny you say that that's that a smaller, simpler book because like, especially with both Lassie and Lassie's Lost, I just, I feel like I've, I've read them multiple times and I've read less multiple times. Less is lost. I've, I've um, as of now, only read once, but like, I feel like I get something there. There's like a hidden complexity in the way you write them where I've discovered something new each time I've read it in both like the comedy or the emotion or just like the character of uh the characters, uh, plural, the narrators and the people around us. It's just, it's very, um, it's, it's, it's a great reread. It's one of those books I tell people, I'm like, this is a great, if you're going to, if you want a book that like, you can go back to in a year or two and like get something new out of it. I think this is that book. Um, did you, did you, <laughs> I, I told you I was going to compliment you. I was saving all the compliments for the the recording um but like when you were writing it did you you know this is i mean did you hide stuff in there that you wanted writer of uh, readers to like really dig through to find or was this something that just like you were like you look back on and not even realize that you were putting this in there uh First of all, thank you. It's the greatest compliment you could give. That rereading it was 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 a joy. I I hid them because I really wanted to. Like my first draft is this messy emotional thing, and then I go back and I try to give it as as shiny a surface as possible, so that mm -hmm. people could could mistake it for like a silly romp across America. Period. That was fun, but yeah. I'm trying to to um, thread under it a lot of um, uh, things that are horrifying to me or humiliating or difficult um, and or emotional so that so that maybe they'll come out and not know that they went through something deeper than what they thought. And I mean, I again, I think that's what makes it a great reread because like you can't, it's especially, and I say this, this there's a quote from this writer of this book um the film club yes the film club that where the um author it's about a a guy who watches a bunch of movies with his son and he says tell the son hey you have to watch a movie you have to watch something twice because the first time you're you're watching it the second time you're truly understanding it i'm messing up the quote but like it's that you have to re-watch something to really truly understand it because the first time the second time is really the first time you're watching it where you can truly understand the journey to see where it ends up and i think i got there because the first time i read um and i'm going to reread less is lost because i feel like i'm going to have that experience with that um but when i with less um 
you know, the first time I read it, I was like, where I wanted to see where this heading, especially because it is a book about, you know, someone journey, someone going on a, you know, an actual journey. So you want to see where it ends up. But then the second time I read it, I got to like appreciate the places he goes to and like really just, you know, get in his mind more about why he was doing things he was doing and why he ends up where he ends up. Um, it's, I mean, did was it to make that story about him going on a journey and same with Bless's Loss, did you get like to have not a shortcut, but like a way to like say, hey, if he's going on an actual journey, this is what I want from specific places in this journey for him? Uh I did. I mean, with 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 less certainly I was constrained by actual places I had been. And then place I was, I was, I would pitch ideas to travel magazines or in-flight magazines to try to get to places I couldn't afford to go to, Italy or Japan. And there's a sort of natural order they have to go in because the world is around. But I did think carefully about like, okay, that chapter was humiliating. <laughs> I should reward him. And like France is a more rewarding emotionally for him than say Germany. So I yeah. was like, I have to I figure out the how to alternate these so that I could get them to do what I want. Um, so there could be some sort of movement. And I mean, it definitely shows in the book. Um, no, it it one of my favorite. <laughs> and this is one of my favorite just funny things in any novel I've ever read was when he is in I believe he's in Germany, right? In the first book. And he's in his he's teaching a class and everyone's just getting sick and like passing out. And he's trying to figure out, he's like, why is this happening? And then he says, and then he like comes to a realization where he's like, Am I boring these people to death? Is this my fault? <laughs> and I I'm telling you, I had to put this down because I was laughing <laughs> so hard. Cause I I was like, I was also like, why is this happening? Is there like I for a second I was like, this is something serious. Everyone's getting sick around him. Is he like, is it uh, as I think I a part of my mind was like, is this like a pandemic happening that he brought a plague that he brought? <laughs> when I saw that, I was like, it just it was unexpected. <laughs> it was so funny. I just I even rereading it, I was like excited for that moment again because it's just so funny but um you know like, when you're a teacher you know what it is like in front of a okay. classroom and you're like i just want to leave right now what is happening <laughs> what oh, am i I've doing ended, to these people i've ended multiple class multiple classes because i'm like they're not i i can't i can't embarrass myself up here anymore <laughs> i especially when like a late night class too oh god i'm like we both would rather be other places right now. And oh, so yeah. go, go be free from this. And then next week I'm like, all right, can't do that again. I can't bruise my <laughs> ego again like this. Um, and that's and that's teaching. And that's teaching. No, I mean, it's it was just it was so um it was like comedy like that that just like pushes the book forward. And like you do write that this character in this book in a specific way that I think, you know. I've not read a lot of the way you move through time and the way you move through the character's thoughts and thought processes on stuff. It's very unique. And uh, just, I feel like I've, especially rereading it and getting that like 
thought process down like getting the character's thought process down and gets more it gets to be a smoother read once you realize it is realize what it um realize how you're writing it how did you how did you get that unique sort of writing style for this book and just your writing in general well i think i i'd never written a book in in present tense before or even contemporary i'd always written um historical fiction basically which i really like because i like that distance the way it sort of reflects the present day without directly talking about it and so the way so when i wrote these books i thought the way i'll do it is i'll keep it's also historical it's reversed i can just mm -hmm. refer to the past and have it echo in ways um and mm -hmm. it'll deepen the characters because what he's doing is not particularly deep you know he's you know i don't know wandering across the sahara or especially unless in mexico he's not doing much it's mostly memory it's mostly mm -hmm. about robert and that right. it it's if it can inform the present tense it's almost like being in on the joke um mm -hmm. when it lands so i just seemed a way to make it have more depth for me as a writer on the page it was mm -hmm. more fun it, I mean, and it feels fun. You feel that. You feel the 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 joy. Nothing. I you feel the joy of the writer in, in it. Like you in both, like you know, cherishing less, sometimes torturing him um, in, oh, a, yeah. in a fun way. Torturing him in a fun way, where I, you definitely there's there's some points in Less Is Lost where I was like, oh, he's having too much fun, and less is pain in. Uh, not to spoil too much for the um re for the readers who haven't read it yet um but there's that part where he's watching the play uh adaptation of one of his books and he's crying and like i'm just like oh this is i just felt like you had a little too much fun just like <laughs> having him you know fully fully just be the homosexual he is in yes. <laughs> and it's a <laughs> musical <laughs> it's a musical when i when i found out it was a musical i think i had to put it down for a second go because no. <laughs> um, did i see it did i see a part of myself in it i can't and i will never tell <laughs> i'll never tell but i think i definitely i definitely like lowered the book for a second and went oh no <laughs> uh, this is there's too much enjoyment here um and there's i mean there's plenty of the 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 German class, the taught the class he taught in Germany, the same thing where I was like, oh, this is this was a a gut punch right here. Um, but it was, yeah, I mean, it's perfect. It's great. It's it makes the character more um, you know, relatable and likable. You know, we all love there's 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 not a pitiable thing with less, but like a, you know, you wanna, I feel like reading it i was like oh i want to protect this person because he's so fragile he's such a fragile character in a perfect way in a perfect perfect way that like both the narrators in both book i feel like are the same they both want to they both want to protect him because they have their own that's what i think that that's yeah. a, it's a it's a it's a, a ridiculing but lovingly you know yeah yeah it's it's a oh he's he's going on he's lost in the second one and one thing i one thing that you know shocked me in this book um was how 
I didn't realize. Did you? I'll rephrase this question another way. Did you mean for this? Did you mean to write a follow up of Les of the character of Les when you wrote the original? No, no, no. That was that was a standalone novel. It ends. You know, it's got a. I think a good ending. It has yeah. a great love that I never thought I have <laughs> a funny story because Les is I love Les. I've um had it as my staff pick before at the store. It's you know a book I it's a book all my coworkers know that I will recommend to people. But I th- mid either beginning of August, I think it was the beginning of August, I like look in the catalog and I'm like, what is this? Is this <laughs> I know this author. Was wait, is there a sequel coming? <laughs> and all I co- I just yell this. I'm like, what? My coworkers are like, wait, you didn't know this? I was like, no. Why did no one tell me? And they were like, oh, we all assumed you knew, so no one told you because we assumed that you would know immediately. And I was the way I was, um, just stunned because I was like, I I don't know what to do with this information. <laughs> what do you mean a sequel to this book? it like it really just like was so funny because no everyone thought no one just no one told me everyone else in my vicinity knew no one told me because they assumed i knew (laughs) and i just the way i was shocked completely and i was like it's coming out so soon too what um and they all knew like months in advance they were like yeah this book is coming um but when i started reading it it it's less is a perfect ending but also kind of leads to the perfect you know second novel with robert's character like you don't finish that character's story in the first one and i just did is that what led you to write you know a follow-up with that kind of open ending in the original novel i i have to say i i I kept scribbling new stuff about last long after I turned it in, but I do that with every book I finish. I just sort of have to get it out of my system. And I, and um, my agent told me not to write a sequel. It would be unseemly after winning a Pulitzer Prize. And I was like, okay, I won't. And I, I wrote another book. I worked on a hundred pages of a book and um, it was terrible because the characters were 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 not there because actually I wanted the characters to be the ones I already had and that was a moment where I had to submit to what I really wanted to do which was mm-hmm. to keep doing this and also it's for me it's such a great way of of getting at hard things I'm thinking about to write with this narrator with this protagonist to to make fun of myself in a way, things that I, especially if I'm having him cross America, um, you know, as a white gay man, I thought I need some distance from it to make, realize how ridiculous it is. Um, And I had that narrator and protagonist and I just went back. Yeah. And I- Which is a pleasure. It's, I, and I've read a lot of authors who go back to characters like this, um, who goes back to, who go back to characters and they write, they want to write a follow-up. And, you know, sometimes it, you feel like it's forced you feel like it's you know different uh the character feels different too different from what the original one was i got back into this so easy i just the way that oh good <laughs> it's so easy to get back into this world and it made me miss you know i've read reread less but it made me like realize i did miss the world and seeing more of it 
And, you know, just like getting this, you know, follow-up felt like a treat because I was like, yeah, I get more of this. I get to see more of this character and like, you know, he has changed, but he's also this, um, he's also the same. He's the same Arthur Lest. And he, um, but also seeing it from a new perspective where, is it a spoiler if I tell them who the narrator is in this one, right? It's I don't like, think so. Okay, yeah, I don't so think so. It's Freddy this time. And like, you're just like, it's interesting to see, you know, the first one is from the perspective of an older lover of his. And this one is a younger lover of his. And just like, they're two distinct voices telling the story of Les. Where I think it's so funny, Robert, when I when I was reading this and I was like, wow, Robert had a more loving <laughs> a loving <laughs> like perspective of Wes where Freddie has it's different it's different it's funnier it's more it's more like he's not afraid to like give a critique on Les but he's also it's loving in his it's loving in a you know a different kind of way was it hard to you know write the same character from a different person's perspective who's also like you know close to him it's like this is a person who knows his character almost as well as the previous narrator did, but it has to be different. No, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was even more fun because I could be really, really critical <laughs> and like, like, not me, but, but sort of sharper. It was just, it was, uh, it was great. It was, it was great fun. Of course, a book is really hard to do. I'm not going to pretend it wasn't. I didn't have breakdowns throughout it. But always good. I always knew um, I could write more, um, even if I ended up cutting things. And that when you're writing, that's always helpful to know that you make pages the next day. Yeah. And that's, oh, that's, that's great to hear. I mean, because it just felt, I'm glad you had it. It was a joy writing that. Um, from this perspective because it just it's a joy to read um before we end i have a favor to ask of you and you can fully uh-huh. deny it but one thing i love doing when i read books that i love is to write down some quotes from it and there's just some quotes in the original less that i just love and i i wrote them it's i didn't write them down the first time i read it but the second time i just it was stuff that i remembered and that stuck with me and i will probably do this with less is lost because why not like i same thing there's definitely stuff in there that i'm going to remember but there were some there was just some quotes i wanted to like know what were what the i'm delighted to um the there was one that honestly that actually is perfect for this for the follow-up because i think it has to do with it but it's Robert's character. He says, I know I'm out of your life, but the day that I die, I know you're going to cry. And then, like, I remember looking back at that, at the quotes I was, uh, that I love from it, and then realizing, I was like, oh, damn it, Robert was right. <laughs> I was like, there was a, uh, he got, he got him there. But, like, was that something that um, you thought back to when you wrote this book? Was that a line? That yeah. Stuff? Yeah. I definitely did. I don't quote from it in the new book because it felt too complicated for someone who hadn't read that one. But right. I thought about it a lot. And I, and that mm-hmm. that song, that, 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 that Mexican song that yeah. everyone in Mexico knows. It's what you sing when you're drunk. 
<laughs> I mean, it just it it felt like something when I look back, I was like, wow, that is spot on. <laughs> spot on in a way where I was like, I wonder if he had that put up on his wall <laughs> to just look at every time um when he was writing it throughout. But um this other one, it's a summer day and I wanna be wanted more than anything in the world. I remember reading that line and just, you know, it felt like the perfect feeling of what desire is where it's like it's random it's like it's a summer day and this is what i want where did that do you remember where the that came from when you were writing well it's a it's a quote from frank o'hara yes from one of his poems yeah yeah i don't remember yes. which one one of his lunch poems but i it's it stuck well because i thought a lot about frank o'hara when when thinking about robert brownbird because they were I stole from Frank O'Hara that that the arrogance and know-it-allness and and combined with tenderness. Yeah, no, that that it it felt like it felt like a big part of Robert and um, Arthur's you know romance. They're they're very interesting. They they their romance, their history, their story is just so interesting to me about how it all started, and it's like you know kind of a an affair it's an affair but like a beautiful affair that i think even in the second book kind of gets resolved in a way especially at the beginning with um his ex-wife's character who i love who i completely i'm like what is her story (laughs) i was so excited to to get to have her really in the book she wasn't in the unless she wasn't in there at all and then she was a late invention and i just loved having her (laughs) She is so much fun where I'm like, yeah, I, I would love in a, in a way that like, I would, in another world, I would see this just like an adventure novel with those two, you know, having to deal with, you know, their own history, but then they get to, you know, travel the world together or like, I don't know, get lost at sea. Lost that at would sea. be good. <laughs> Less is lost at sea. I'm Less just saying that's sea. Yeah. <laughs> Less sea. All right. Um, just saying that's uh, that's a free idea for me. Um, this one, the perhaps he was burning down a house in which he no longer wanted to live. That was something that I. Do you remember where that was from specifically? It's I, it's from when he he has a, a fling with a guy and um, he's he's sort of wildly messing around outside mm. of his relationship with Robert and he's destroying it. Yeah. What that one seemed interesting to me because interesting to me and that's why I wrote it down because it seemed like, you know, I get it. You know, I get it. I get that idea of like, you know, wanting to burn down everything around you to like see what happens just to watch it. Why have that a part of the um, relationship with him and Robert? Well, because I wanted, I thought it would be interesting if Robert left less instead of that the older lover leaves the younger lover. I didn't want to go with the cliche and I thought, why would that happen? And I thought, well, we all have these life phases where we do something um, reckless Mm -hmm. because we want to see what else we can be. And maybe if you're a little cowardly, you 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 sort of force the changes instead of choosing them. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what was in my mind about about last. And I mean, 
he he definitely you know there are consequences to it in a way that felt really real to his character and robert's character as well to like you know end it and it it felt but it also felt like did you think that when robert made that decision and you were writing it i mean <laughs> when you when you were you know inhabiting that world that robert made that decision to um free less in a way he because i when you're that older lover in that way i um assume um you i'm you know you understand to like like something go so let something go that is not yours as well i think that's it i think he saw this is someone i met as a very young man and loved and now he's a different person and i have to let him go yeah uh this next one is I mean, it it this one is the one that I the part the the theater part that um the theater part in the sequel made me like remember this one. It's the nothing happened to me. I'm just a homosexual at a Broadway show. Was <laughs> I get that, and I have been there, and I I read that, and I was like another part where I was like, oh no, <laughs> oh no, no, I was like, I think I was like that part I was like how did he know how did he do this to me how did he know this is I was reading this book and I would see this line and I would cry and be like yeah this is about me this is about an ex-theater person who will hear like one day more and start bawling in the middle of the street oh god yeah (laughs) Uh, uh, I mean that was I mean and that was kind of the humor in both books that like you know it's it felt it felt like so real and i feel like that's why a bunch of people you know pick up on that because they're like yeah i was that i was that homosexual who's crying at a broadway show and i will be again <laughs> once i again, will be again too yes i will be again <laughs> Let's do I it again. <laughs> and like even him who's just like he, he's he, i assume his character doesn't go to see a broadway show all the time but he's just him being like I'm here and I'm gonna cry and you're all gonna be okay with it. And there's nothing I don't have control over it as well. Um, which is you know, I think explains a lot of Les's journeys in uh both books is that he doesn't have control over um himself. He doesn't have control over himself and the some of his decisions, and that's what's beautiful about it. He goes on these journeys and he doesn't um get it. Um The last thing I want to, there's two things I want to ask you and I want to, but do you have time for me to ask you two more questions? Absolutely. That's what I'm here for. All right. The, the, this one is about um, the character of his friend um, in the first novel, his friend who is going, who gets a divorce from his husband after having their, them having that agreement where they check in every 10 months to see, um, where their marriage is in if they want to continue. I, in the second book that comes back up and in a critical way, which is, which so, I will, so honestly was jarring for me because I read it in the first one and I thought it was so beautiful and I thought there was something really just gorgeous about it. But in the second one, it seemed like Freddie had a criticism of it where it was more like he didn't, he thought of it as more of a uh, cynical thing and like something that you know is not pos- a positive relationship thing where where do you fall on your own perspective of that 
situation because I want to figure it out for myself because I want to know if I'm wrong. Am I wrong to think that that there's something beautiful no, in that? I think I think there's something beautiful in it, and it's it's in, I uh, was tipsily at a party with a friend whose marriage had ended after 20 years, and he was all upset, and and I was like. It's a success. Twenty years. I was. I just. Oh, yeah. I. 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 That's really how I. How I feel. Um, mm-hmm. But Freddie's not me. Freddie might have yeah. a different opinion. But I think that we're too hard on ourselves. Uh, certainly mm-hmm. about relationships. That relationships end, and if they end at the right time, then you have done a great job, both of you, or all three of you, or whatever it is. Well done. You know, like recognizing that and and being grateful for what you had and 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 parting is um is is a, a, a gift to each other yeah especially with you know also like i when i was reading those i was like in a the way that they've grown especially um the character he talks to whose name is Jason, am I right? No, I'm wrong. Which wait? Which book is, is it? In in the in the original, um, when he's talking to his friend who's going through the divorce, whose name I? Oh, they're can't... Lewis and Clark, and I always forget which one Lewis he's talking to. Yeah, <laughs> which is again another purpose. A great, a great, uh, a great little thing in the story. But like when he's talking to him, and he's like talking about how he's loved the marriage but is also excited for that next part where he gets to live alone and you know really be feel comfortable living alone and want that and like also be like ex- the was he like giving away his ex-husband at the um at his right wedding? at the new wedding at yeah. the new wedding and like he's he's very it's like it's the content there where they still love each other, but and they love they love their marriage, but like it's over now. It just felt like self control, you know. Like don't we all kind of want that control over what we what control over things that you know we cherished? Like that's life. Like if we all if we you know got to set our own terms with something and be happy with that i don't know it just felt it was one of those parts of the story that i definitely like sat with after i read because it felt so it felt so nice it felt like a nice thing did you when you were writing that specific part of it did you feel like did you feel the confusion that Les felt? Or how was writing that confusion? Because I feel like Les took a second to kind of understand that. And even when I started reading Les's Lots, it still felt like he was battling with that idea. He's still battling with the idea. Um, oh, sorry. I just want to interrupt you. I mean, I, you know, in Les, I was kind of presenting him in every chapter with different options of what love can be and then this mm-hmm. one was one that really throws him i think he says he feels like living alone would be like a astronaut floating out in space or something yeah. which is which is not true yeah. <laughs> you know it's not true yeah. but it's his um his his panic about it and he certainly mm-hmm. panics unless is lost when there's a feeling like he and freddie are maybe not going to stay together yeah and it's it's just so funny also that he has this fear of being alone like he's so it's there's I mean there's many parts I want to yell at him in the book and be like why are you feel why are you doing this because he's so interesting alone 
and not in saying that he shouldn't be with anyone but he's like he's very interesting when he's alone and it's like that character you want to like tell you're good you're fine you're enough by yourself yeah and i just because we only see him alone yeah we (laughs) only see him alone he i like he's the character i want to like i always say i this i know i love a character when i want to go in and smack them in the face and be like do you like what are you doing you're fine you will be fine if you you're all you will be fine by yourself it seems like I don't know if you agree with this, but like his, he's afraid of being by himself and he's afraid of who he is by himself. Where like, I, you know, as a reader and as a person just like around him, everyone loves, everyone is like, you're not, you're all, you're enough. You're all enough. Everything about you is enough for all of us. It's, uh, I'm going into my own, like, I'm, I'm just, I can, go into like so much about this character that I love. Um, but the last thing I want to ask you, and I heard this from a friend who recently um, saw you speak and said it was wonderful. Um, you actually went on a trip bef- while writing Last is Lost, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Could you, could you tell <laughs> us about that? I rented an RV in 2016, a long time ago now. Um, wow. And uh I went for three weeks in the Southwest mm-hmm. and then a year later I rented an RV in Atlanta and I went into the deep South for three weeks. And both times it was my rules where I had, I could only go to small towns. Mm-hmm. I had to go to, I had to sit at the counter in the diner and I had to go to bars and talk to mm-hmm. people. And oh. um, I just took a lot of notes and mm-hmm. ate a lot of food, good and bad and saw a lot of RV parks. I mean, it, these were parts of the country I'd never been. Mm-hmm. So that's why I went there because I thought I don't understand this country. I've got to, I, I better go. Um, what a t- yeah, what a time to go. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was. I don't know if I'd do the same trick trip right now, mm-hmm. but it it was. It was scary. I'm like my mom was scared for me. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, she told me call people sir and ma'am, and you might be okay. And. You know, I'm a tall, middle-aged white guy. People don't really bother me. I'm just mm-hmm. a very neutral presence in a bar. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll be like, hey, so you're from here? You know, I'm not politically gonna... That wasn't <laughs> what my purpose was. No matter how much right. I must disagree with these people. I just wanted to know, like, a little bit about people's lives. And I mean, it was... I mean, yeah, it was politi- a politically charged time to go travel the country um and like what what interesting could you is there any stories that you could tell us about like things that happened to you while you were on your trip any well i mean i mean they're in the book a lot of they're in the book in a a twisted way you know that didn't (laughs) happen quite that way right but you know i would i would visit um lawless um, former military places in California where there were people had set up RVs and there were sort of meth camps and hippies. And, and I would, uh, you know, I went to a lot of like food festivals. Those didn't make it into the book, but are hilarious. Mm. Or I went to even went to a, like a pride festival in a tiny town in Georgia. That was just like this. It brought me to tears how sweet it was. Um, there were, I, the surprise was that, was that there were, this is just my own um, 
misunderstandings of, of small town America is that there were gay people everywhere. There were queer, yeah. queer people all over the place and we could recognize each other and um, and sort of support each other. And that that helped, um, that was heartening. That's, I mean, and that I feel like is an experience you can only have, you know, by going out there, <laughs> by yeah. going out there and, you know, seeing, because like, you know, to gay people everywhere gay people don't just exist in big cities as much as we want to believe that and you know do some people do believe that like gay people exist out of uh la san francisco new york i hear i don't know myself um i hear rumors um uh, they're there either they don't want to come to cities or they're 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 part of their communities and they have there's an accepted place for them or like a lot of them, a parent got sick and they had to move back to their hometown. Take care of them. Mm-hmm. And like, especially there's, I have been talking, I've been reading a lot about, you know, queer people of color and like a lot of them, you know, it's important where they're from because a lot of them, if there's, um, it meant a lot for their family to get, you know, the land that they've got to raise their family there to, if they're immigrants to, you know, build a community there from nothing you know there's there's and that's something i've just specifically heard from queer people of color but it's like yeah it makes sense for a lot of people to you know stay where they're from and that community is it's something important for them to have yeah Um, that family that sort of world if if they make a place then i understand my friend caroline moved from texas back to atlanta because of that yeah and it's important. It's, it's. I've known a lot of people who did, who've done that, and you know, I respect that choice. Except it's, if it's back to Connecticut where I'm from, and then I don't get it. Yeah, no, and don't I'm do just it. Like, no, 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 no. That's. I'm like there. Then I'm like, what? <laughs> no, it doesn't make sense to me. Um, I was like, you could live anywhere else, but if that's your choice. Um, did you get to see any, any play, any theater adaptations of less anywhere? <laughs> No, no. I wish I'd gone on my trip and seen any local theater. I love like community theater, yeah. but I just I didn't have time somehow. Uh, I'm uh, driving a lot. Next time. Next time you go on a cross country oh, yeah. tour. For sure. <laughs> your um your next cross country tour. If you if you see uh Andy on uh in an RV waving at you, put on a play. I'm just saying <laughs> play. do Sondheim. Do a Sondheim. I'll do that. <laughs> do Sondheim do you'll just like <laughs> sing Sondheim to the RV and yeah that's it sounds like a great time and it was it's such it was such a pleasure talking to you this has been Me such too, a fun conversation I'm sorry if I took too much time just gushing about how much I love this book but I just I this character of Arthur Liss is so great and I'm excited to you know reread Liss <laughs> is Lost and you know, just write more quotes down from it. And then, you know, psychotically, you know, be like, okay, what was this one about? What was this specific one about? And I'll read it in the middle. Of, uh, I'll read it like I was telling you before how I read in the middle of writing book a crazy person. Um, <laughs> I would be honored. I appreciate that. Um, is there anything you would like to say to, you know, readers who also love glass in, you know, like, uh, especially who get books from like their independent bookstores, their local ones, and you know want to support their local readers. Like, um, 
like people at Skylight do. I mean, all I would say is that it's a mortal sin to walk into an independent bookstore and not walk out with a book. It's true. It's true. It is. You hear that, listeners? It's true. And <laughs> I will make sure that... I'll make or sure that listen to a now. podcast and not order a book. <laughs> um, wink, wink. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's what a great... Yeah, it's it's a sin, and I will report you to Andy specifically if you yeah. do that. If I see you doing that, there's a punishment. Um, that's your punishment, and he, who knows, maybe he'll write a book about you. Um, all the, that's actually not a bad idea. All the people who walk into bookstores, would it be? It would be like a as a bookseller, I can tell you, it'd be a murder mystery because it would be like where are all these customers disappearing mm-hmm. to, and it's the it's the vengeful bookseller. <laughs> The ones who oh. take a photograph of the staff pics and then go and buy it on Amazon, those okay. are demons. You would be surprised how many of them are so open about it, too. They're like, oh, I'm just going to take a picture of this and just get it on Amazon. And I'm like, why are you telling me this? <laughs> why are you? Oh, you would be surprised. You would be surprised. It's, it's, ooh, listeners, don't do it. Don't do it. Your books Don't do it. Don't do it. I prefer you go to the library. I mean, because of that's a fine local, choice. Yeah, support your local libraries. Um, but yeah, don't don't support. I don't support it. Um, thank you again, Andy. Um, thank listeners, you, Lance. By the time this episode comes out, you can buy Lessons Lost in your local um, your local bookstores, uh, independent bookstores, and if you get it at Skylight, it will be um, it will be featured as one of our holiday catalog picks. So. I mean, that's more incentive to go get it. Yay! Uh, <laughs> um, you will see my name next to it, too, because it was my pick. But um, it it's, no, it's a fantastic book. Um, if you loved Les, you will definitely just have a great time getting back into this world. And, you know, it's like meeting up with an old friend. So go see your old friend, Arthur Les, and, you know, have a great time. Um, thank you so much again, Andy. Um Thank you to all of my listeners out there. If you are returning, I appreciate all of you. I love you so much. If this is your first episode you're listening to, go back and listen to our older episodes. We have some great authors who, you know, would who you would love to hear talk. But yeah, thank you again. You guys all have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your day. Um, I love you all. Have a good one. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon.